Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by Will Rotondi. Hey, hey, how's it going? And May Finch. Hello, hello. Feels a little uh, different this morning to be doing this with a uh, cup of coffee in my hand instead of like a whiskey or, or a beer. It's very morning talk show host. <laughs> for a little peek behind the scenes we normally record the show in the afternoon or evening but uh, i'm kind of digging it i like the feel good morning america <laughs> <laughs> um so on today's episode we are covering our second was the book better ever and talking about pride and prejudice we of course will draw a side card and a new quest at the end of the episode this episode but first, we thought we would open with a little background on Jane Austen, the author of Pride and Prejudice, and talk about some of the interesting parallels between her and some of the characters in the book. Uh, in particular, I think Elizabeth um, is often seen as sort of a, you know, loose version of Jane Austen, you know, like fictional parallels there, but um yeah, so in the uh, version of the book that I read, there was a nice little introduction that talked about some of these comparisons. Uh, the biggest one that stood out to me, and I think one of my favorite aspects, as I'm sure we'll talk about uh, as we discuss the book and the film, is a very, very strong relationship with her sister. Um, both of them uh, never married, um, so uh, they had a very close relationship all the way to the end of her life. Um, I thought it was quite sad that they're not really quite sure what disease she died from, but like experts now could uh, probably speculate that it was some form of cancer, but mm -hmm. she died in her sister's arms at the age of somewhere in the 40s. I think it was like 42 or something. It's quite young. Yeah. Um, let me pull this up and fact check that. But uh, a 41. So oof, yeah, very, very young. But um, we'll pause there uh and just discuss that i mean obviously in the novel you can see that there's like that strong relationship between the sisters um did you uh did you guys enjoy that aspect i think it was one of my favorite parts of the book and the movie yes um i feel like i see a lot of jane austen in how she writes um i mean about like the 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 kind of like i guess marriage culture yes of the day uh, especially as an unmarried woman and how I, I feel like as an author trying to appeal to a public audience she still feels obligated to like marry off most of her characters but I like that she plays with um, the, the the complicated feelings around that and how it's often a financially motivated thing yeah so she was engaged twice and they uh, again this is the introduction of the, the version I uh, read so that like they or from her letters and some of the other things like are fairly certain she was like deeply in love at least once in her life, um, but never married. So I imagine it was quite complicated. I don't know a whole lot about British society at this time, but just from what you can glean from like the novel and just some quick little Wikipedia searches, um, it seems like it wasn't uncommon to have marriage uh, proposals and deals and stuff fall apart because a lot of it was about like statuses and kind of, you know, advancing your position in society um i thought was quite interesting um you could uh, like so there's a lot of debate over whether or not you can consider her like an early feminist novelist because so many of her characters are 
married off and it seems like a lot of scholars kind of say like you have to read between the lines like she's very much kind of writing within the conventions of the time and um it's more the subtle stuff that kind of would lead you to believe that uh, something else that i thought was quite interesting was that like she was forced to pay for the publication of her first novel sense and sensibility and it was anonymous uh, and a lot of the critics who loved it um we're like, well, we don't know who wrote this, but we're we can be quite sure that it's not a woman because it's far too clever, which I thought was just fucking great. Um, and then, of course, it found such success that, um, you know, she was able to to have subsequent novels published uh, free of charge. You know, they're like, oh, it made money. So we're, we're good here. Just that tickled me to no end. I was like, oh, boy. It's it's especially funny to me as someone who also like writes and is trying to get published because uh going to what's called like a vanity press where you pay to get published is seen as like the biggest red flag like you you don't do that <laughs> unless yeah. you're in austin yeah well and again different times i suppose but yeah um it did seem like she had good support from her father that's kind of one of the other things that um you know i wanted to talk about from a biographical standpoint because i think they do uh, there's a, a parallel there with elizabeth uh, and Mr. Bennett, who is by far my favorite character, um, as we'll get to. But um, Jane Austen's father is the one who sort of read an early manuscript of a couple of her works because she worked on Sense of Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice. They had different titles at the time. Um, First Impressions was the initial title of this novel, Pride and Prejudice. And um, he thought they were both so fine that he kind of insisted that she pursue that career and, and attempt to get them published which i thought was really kind of sweet and nice and yeah. uh surprisingly non-misogynistic <laughs> he's not telling her to like go get married what are you doing with this writing stuff you know so it's it was encouraging to kind of see that and i think you see that reflected maybe a little bit in uh, in this story um may anything that like you can remember from your time long ago studying jane austen that you would add to this from a biograph no, not to put you on the hot seat i just those were some of the things that stood out to me um, that would kind of lend some nice context, but I am new um, to Jane Austen. So, yeah, no, I, I think you covered about everything I would want to bring up. Um, I am only halfway through my cup of coffee, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> first or second cup? First. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I do, I do think the fact that like she had a few like, failed marriage attempts is channeled in her writing a lot but also just like the the wittiness of her characters and I do think it's interesting that across time periods novelists will always do the thing of like making their self-insert character very bookish <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> which absolutely. I think is another hint that that Elizabeth is very much a self-insert for Jane yep I would, I would agree with that for sure. They say what, write what you know, right? So <laughs> um, taking that advice to heart. Exactly. Well, amazing. Let's, um, let's pivot away from, temporarily from Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice and have us a side quest. And then we'll circle back here. Ah, so this is a Dirty Dancing, um, which I believe is going to be a... Uh, a new side quest. I don't think we've drawn one of these yet. So hold please why I read the actual like official canon description. And then I will wing it from here on out when we draw one of this. I just like to give it its due since we, we worked hard. 
So this description is talk about your favorite dance scene besides dirty dancing. <laughs> so love a little bit of irony on the podcast. So take a moment. I'm going to abstain because I know I went the last couple of times and I'll, I will let one of you guys take this one. Uh, so May, you've got one. Yes, this is the darkest answer I could think of, but um, American Psycho. it's it's just because it's like i don't know it's the perfect encapsulation of the movie i think when he first turns on the the music huey lewis in the news and is doing like the little like this this number the moonwalk (laughs) yeah (laughs) i feel Um, so old that i had to tell you it was a moonwalk (laughs) oh no uh no no there's a part where he's standing there and just kind of like doing this i don't know oh oh kind of like shimmying yeah yeah yeah. shimmying thank you (laughs) (laughs) no problem but it's like he's moving in the most robotic way possible with just this plastered on smile and it's so disturbing and uncanny and like it's it's not a a film i ever would have been like this needs a dance scene but (laughs) it works it works really well I like that pick because it really lightens the tone. It, it changes like the like if, the, if there had been no music, you know, diegetic or non-diegetic at all, and it was just them talking, and he just screams and hits the guy with the axe. That seems very different, right? Like, so I love that choice. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Will? Uh, I still feel like I did when we talked about it before that it seemed like he was channeling Jim Carrey. With that, just the yeah, like the over-the-top grin and just the the jerky movement. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's a good choice. I definitely, <laughs> it's a good representation of exactly how outrageous that film is. Unconventional too. Like when I imagined this category, I thought we'd talk about like oh, like the the sunset, like in the Hollywood Hills dance sequence of La La Land, or like any number of things like in a musical, but. <laughs> Well done yeah. on uh, subverting expectations there. <laughs> well, my my other pick would have been uh, Pulp Fiction, but I was like, ah, that's basic. I want to go a level deeper. <laughs> I, it's iconic, but yeah, no, no, that's that's, that's cool. You'd say that for another time, um, or just skip it all together. But no, that's that's a great uh, subversion of expectations there. Like, is there another scene in American Psycho that should have had more dancing? Oh, more dancing. <laughs> um, hmm. Maybe the club scene. It seems like none of them are dancing. They're just kind of scowling and sitting and complaining about what they do and trying to out impress each other. I'm like, you're with beautiful women. Go dance. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it actually jogged like in a weird tangent. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever uh, heard or seen the show Killing Eve, but there's like one of the most anxiety inducing like murders in that is um in a dance club and you know how like sometimes when you're like really tightly packed in a dance club there's like you're you're, i mean you're like a sardine kind of just you got a very small bubble moving around can be hard there's a scene where a character sees another character zeroing in on them to kill them and they like are having a hard time getting out of the crowd and then when the character catches up to them um they're like she's pretending to dance and it's just stabbing him like repeatedly like at close range and like no, it just it was like oh my god this is fucking awful and then like nobody really notices what's happening because he's very subtle about it but 
anyway, uh, that's a scene that could have done with less dancing because <laughs> it made me like <laughs> lose my shit when I saw it. I was like, oh my god, this is terrifying. Anyway, let's pivot to nice things. The English yes. countryside and society folk and all that good stuff. Because today's episode, we're talking about pride and prejudice. So, May, this is your selection. We're going to let you steer the ship here. Or maybe the Thank carriage, you, I guess, is a better a better uh, analogy. But yeah. Oh, I'm taking the horse. Oh, okay. Sweet. Even cooler. <laughs> Even cooler. Uh, yeah. So, talking pride and prejudice. Uh, it is 2005 film adaptation uh, based on the 1813 book by Jane Austen. Uh, it was directed by Joe Wright and it stars Keira Knightley and Matthew McFadden. Um, it centers on the lives of the Bennets, Miss, uh, Mr. Bennett, Mrs. Bennett, Miss Bennett, Miss Bennett, Miss Bennett, Miss Bennett, Miss Bennett, Bennett, Bennett. <laughs> and I think Miss Bennett. Uh, <laughs> uh and uh their adventures in love and attempting to save the family from financial ruin uh, the center is on elizabeth bennett the second eldest and uh one uh rather cross and grumpy but very clever mr darcy the um i think the best way to do the plot summary here Basically, uh, there's a lot of back and forth with Elizabeth and various other uh, potential suitors and friends of the family, where she finds out, uh, you know, Dar Darcy has done some rather shady things, and then he proposes to her and she declines, and then she realizes that uh, that was all basically bad gossip, and... He actually is a stand-up guy and he like does a bunch of things to like prove his worth to her and then proposes again and she accepts the proposal and it's a very dramatic scene on the English moor. Um that's is that a good like quick plot synopsis? Yeah, I, I think that, that covers the main basics for sure. Um what were your first impressions of I'll start with the book. What were your first impressions of the book? So I, I took your advice and I did the audiobook and I, I was like 50-50, like where I would kind of like go back and forth, um, you know, quite easy because there's like chapters marked in both Audible and then obviously the novel itself has chapter numbers. So um, I'm glad I did that because I think like the first 25% of it was strictly just audiobook and it was to get a, an idea of the kid into the language. Um, I really liked it immediately. I think the opening scene it's really sold it for me between Mrs. Bennett and Mr. Bennett um because it's a nice little hook uh to show you sort of like what what the family dynamics are like there was humor in it immediately and i think anytime something's funny it's a little easier to like gravitate towards if this had been very straightforward and serious um i don't i don't know how much i would have gravitated towards it but um i i mean overall i just i loved uh, love the novel I, I can see why it's endured like not all of it has aged like particularly like well but i think the crux of what makes this a great novel is, are a lot of like timeless like, themes and um yeah by the time i got towards like the back like 40 percent, i just couldn't wait to see like what was gonna go down even though i i knew like the romances i was like yeah i'm pretty sure like you know this is going to work out because i just can't <laughs> imagine this would have been as popular like in the time or since like if it like 
you know, was like something um, where it all falls apart at the end would have been too like postmodern or whatever. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot. Got to read it. Cross <laughs> it off the pile of shame, right? Like, so. uh, I really like the uh, the writing style was what did it for me. Like there, I feel like, and this is just from my personal opinion, that if the writing, you can have a great story, but if you can't tell it well, I'm not going to be able to have the, the attention span to stick with it. So I think that for me, reading the book, the writing style was what held me to it the most. Unfortunately, the plot was what I didn't like. And mostly not for the fact of what it was, but more because of what it represented for that time period. Like it just sucked <laughs> like that's just how i kind of came away from it was man this is unfortunate but i kind of had a feeling that was sort of the direction it was going to go it was going to be about people having assumptions about other people and making decisions they regretted later because of those assumptions and then having to pivot and figure out how to you know fix whatever they'd screwed up or had said inappropriately and go from there um so I think between just the the reality of what it was like and then some of the over-the-top characters were were what detracted from the story for me from the book. Um, I didn't go the audiobook route, but I did enjoy reading it, uh, just again for the writing style. And it was nice to see that everything did resolve itself in the end, that the people that you wanted to be okay were okay. Um, I'm of the same opinion that Chris is about the humor you know, from certain characters, whether we're going to, you know, from Mr. Bennett or, you know, from other moments in the film where there's nice little <laughs> side comments about certain characters and their uh, behavior and some of the outrageousness of some of the characters' behavior, um, Mr. Collins in particular, but I'm sure we'll, we'll dive a little bit more into that. Um, you didn't love yeah. Mr. Collins? He's such a ladies' the, man. The biggest I mean, cook in yeah, all of literary he, history, dude. Yeah. Like, Jesus. He's uh, a very, apparently very knowledgeable on many things. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, well, we'll talk. About, I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt you, Will. No, no, please. Let's. We'll, we'll definitely circle back to that guy. Um, but I think overall with the book, that those were the main things that I took away from it. I'm still glad that I read it. And also, um, mostly because it's, and I will say this too, like I, I know a lot of people that have said this was one of their favorite novels. And uh, my mom's always told me this was like her favorite book. So I was like, okay, you know, at some point in my life, I should probably check this off the list. So uh, not only in watching a film adaptation of it, but actually reading it. So it was a good choice. And I'm still glad that I did it. Um, and I can understand why it is similar to, again, to what, not to copy too much from Chris, but I can understand why it's endured despite some of the, the things that I didn't like about it. Yeah. I, just to add to that really quickly. And may, I definitely want to hear your takes. Cause I'm, it sounds like you've re maybe read this a couple of times, but um, like I, I, I kind of chose to approach this as like, it's kind of a cute time capsule, right? Like, cause I was like, if I approach this from like, completely modern sensibilities i probably won't enjoy it like I'll, i may be like even like a little annoyed by stuff so um and having read some books from around the same like period a lot of stuff you could see coming from a mile away like the mr wickham reveal was like like a negative five out of a scale of one to ten of like ten being <laughs> shocking and like zero being not surprising at all um but um yeah it, it, like <sighs> I don't know. It, it feels like this wholesome little time capsule of like, oh, like look at all these 
you know, people with their, I don't even know what half of them do for actual employment. I just, I know what they earn, but what the fuck does anyone do? But anyway, like, um, yeah, like the problem seems so grave in the way that she writes it from their perspectives. And I just thought it was kind of cute, <laughs> but sorry. May, please tell us what you think of Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> I mean, go- going off what you said about it being cute, like that, I think was the biggest <laughs> mind, like kind of like shift I had to make when I was reading this for the first time. Cause like I, the way, the way that this like 20 something year old character is thinking about like dating and romance feels so like early high school and <laughs> everything is very dramatic very life and death you have to read into every single line the other characters say you have mrs bennett uh orchestrating that and just encouraging that in all of her daughters um it's a lot and once i kind of like reminded myself that like well in this time period it it could be kind of life or death like how you married as a woman because that determined what your life would be like um it's like okay well i i guess it makes more sense why she's um yeah three well, and 20 year old maid apparently apparently like yeah. somebody says on the book and i was like jesus okay uh <laughs> um so yeah just like getting into that mindset helps you understand why things are like as high stakes as as they are in the book but um i I think that it holds up surprisingly well, even from a modern lens. Like, um, well mentioned, a lot of it is about how you can get like wrong impressions of people and you can really put your foot in your mouth and it takes time and like concrete efforts to kind of undo that. And I, I like that it is a book that explores that, which I think is a very nuanced topic and very timely and are kind of like modern day of lots of social media gossip and bullying and canceling and stuff like that um while also having like this very funny and over-the-top romance at the same time so um I like how it balances those two things I will say um not to jump the gun and get to like the, the movie before I finish talking about the book but when I was reading the book I I was never fully in for like Mr. Darcy like the whole time I was like really Liz like you could do better (laughs) he's absent from a lot of the book um in a way that they like I think rightly correct like in the film Mm -hmm. he's present a little bit more but yeah I agree um but uh the pivot to the film that was the film was like the first time I was like, okay, I see the appeal of Mr. Darcy. Like when when there's actually like a warm body occupying this role, it's like you can you can kind of you can kind of get it. Um, what Especially were your... Matthew McFetty, it doesn't right? uh, hurt hurt the prospect. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the best puppy dog eyes, like I think of any Aww. fucking actor like ever. Um. So yeah, what did you guys think of the movie? I liked it a lot more. <laughs> I think that um well I liked it for a couple of reasons, main reasons. I liked that it 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 condensed what I felt needed to be condensed from the book. They didn't have it too over the top for certain items that you can get the the gist of what the character was without needing like the extensive sort of examples of how outrageous they were or what the what the conflict was. Um, so whereas you might have like a chapter or two for Mr. Collins, he's like shortened down to a few, you know, 
lines of dialogue and then we'll we'll cut to something else or we'll move around the room to see other characters and how they're interacting or Catherine DeBerg and her um pompous attitude about knowing everything and telling everybody what they need to do and you know how she doesn't want Elizabeth to marry Mr. Darcy you know that's also very much condensed well enough that it gets the point across and it's paced well enough and you and acted as well you know exceptionally by Judy Dench <laughs> that you know you you get the point and you don't need to worry about harping on all the extra I guess what felt like extraneous dialogue um and I liked how it condensed a lot of sort of the back and forth between the letters of the characters to each other and sort of kept moving the plot along a little bit more um, and then took some of the language that may have seemed a bit over the top if you're reading it or trying to read it quickly and made it more accessible to a more modern audience. I mean, still kept a lot of the style and even in some places like verbatim, the the um, writing from the like the actual um, quotes or dialogue from the book reused for the characters in the film. But I felt for the most part, it was updated enough that you still got the feel of it and it was still true enough to the book without being too complicated. Um, but I agree with Chris. I felt like actually with Mr. Darcy having somebody there and also for him to have more dialogue, like in, I feel like in the books, Elizabeth talks about sort of what their exchanges were, but you don't really get the details of what the conversation was. So you just rely on what her sort of recap, um, or I should say uh, Jane Austen's recap for that character was without knowing exactly what was exchanged in that dialogue. So I think that was very helpful. And then just having somebody that could give that nuanced sort of performance where I believed, okay, Mr. Darcy doesn't think that Elizabeth's sister Jane really likes his, um, his best friend, Mr. Bingley, or okay, Mr. Darcy really is sort of like, you could see the little side glances or you could see the subtle, you know, facial expression to make me think, okay, so he is interested in Elizabeth, you know. Um, so that to me, I felt visually helped a lot to make it more believable for not only the conflict that goes on in the book, but just sort of fleshing out the characters a bit more for me and making it believable. I think it's one of the most effective adaptations I've ever seen from like page to screen. Um, like efficient is a word that came to mind but also graceful like I think the way that they cram some of that dialogue and like Will said condense some of the things where like you still get the things that are said and the important plot developments and marry them in scenes like thinking about Mr. Collins and the ball and that dance scene where there's the back and forth and the simultaneous conversations that was stunning to like just I mean from a technical standpoint but also um, from a narrative standpoint, how like you're getting two very different things across and you're laughing your ass off at like the absurdity of Elizabeth having to pivot and manage those two conversations. Um, I think that's just a really great example of how they are doing that, con uh, you know, condensing down of of a lot of stuff in the, the novel into something that keeps the plot moving. I think it's smart to have, like, for example, to have, uh, you know, Jane go off to London on her own, like, you know, like instead of like Elizabeth now having to accompany her, like she's like off on on her own and, and Elizabeth's mm -hmm. kind of doing her her thing. But um, I think you hit the uh, the nail on the head, May, when you said um, warm bodies to occupy this. I feel like this felt so much more alive than the novel. And it's not like a fault of like Austin's writing. It's just like one of those things that seeing 
human beings like perform this, you get like a lot more accessible emotion. And like, I was actually quite surprised by how much the movie made me like feel like some of the stuff, like the, the romance and things um, more than I did in the novel. Cause sometimes it feels a little dry on the page. Um, whereas like here, like some of those scenes, I feel like just like really, really like left out, you know, and, and felt like they were alive in a way that I didn't always get in um the novel but uh yeah i i, I mean i i could not imagine a more effective adaptation with the running time that it has especially like i'm sure if you wanted to do a mini series or something but i don't know that i would want that like if there was like a two hour 45 minute director's cut like of this i, I don't feel like i would need it or really want it necessarily like, maybe out of curiosity i'd watch it once but like yeah so fun fact um, there actually is a mini series that came out before the movie um <laughs> which is <laughs> uh which uh i have not seen but i've heard is much more faithful to the original book but i don't think is as good probably <laughs> um i this don't know seems to be the to... one that everyone loves like when i talk to anybody who like is like a fan of it like this is the version that seems to be you know maybe not universally but like largely regarded as like the, the best but, sorry I think it's only if you're like a real devotee of Austin that you might prefer the the miniseries just because it's more faithful. But uh, I I agree uh, with everything you two said. Um, I, I think this is a really, really good adaptation of the novel. And one thing I want to point out for that is a lot of Jane Austen's writing, like uh, you get this a lot in Mansfield, uh, Man, bleh, Mansfield Park or Manfield Park. I forget which one it is, but <laughs> the novel that came out next to this one. Um, it's just, it's very gossipy. You get all this interiority of these different characters and like th that's so much like layering on top of the actual dialogue and what's actually like going on plot wise. And I feel like this movie actually captured that in a lot of, in a lot of scenes. Like there's so much going on, like you said, with all the subtle glances back and forth between characters and you get to see people's like facial expressions as other characters are talking and especially like rewatching the movie for me it was like oh I'm following and I can actually like I understand why these characters are making these faces at these moments um based on what like I know about this <laughs> character now and I thought that was really masterful honestly um and gave the movie a lot of that life that the 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 book might have been missing it was great exercise watching this right after like reading the book too because i feel like everything was so fresh you know <laughs> you have these like preconceived notions of like what things might look like on the screen so seeing it actually play out um was really cool like even like the opening of like oh like i wonder how they're gonna like tackle like that initial conversation and i love like it, it the eavesdropping and sort of how the camera is like sweeping in one door and out the other and like coming like kind of giving you a tour of like the bennett household and you're getting little snippets um spectacular opening i mean really really uh again efficient like you, you get a little bit of each character's personality and then of course like the big reveal of like the the, the bingley's moving and all that stuff um a plus uh speaking of the bennett's introduction um i thought the best way to do this movie would just to be to go kind of like character slash character group go by that yeah, yeah. okay so what do you guys think of the Bennett family? And do you have a favorite Miss Bennett? Uh, love the Bennett family. Like I said, Mr. Bennett, uh, if we're, you know, 
talking about non uh, Miss Bennett's is <laughs> by far my favorite, not only because of his like dry wit and like, you know, the urge to retreat to his library, which I totally feel like, yo, let me go into my <laughs> office and read a book. Like, I don't care about society for like an hour. I just want to like bury my face in a book. Um, Totally appealed to me. Um, He's very girl also- dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the supportiveness, like again, like yeah. you've seen that kind of translate probably some biographical influence there um loved it and just taking the ever loving piss out of mrs bennett constantly and trying to like (laughs) stoke the anxiety for his own amusement was great um but as far as miss bennett's go um i'll tell you who i don't like that's lydia um if we could talk cover like more that that plot point um we'll go there um good go for it yeah well we're supposed to be covering what we like right so I'll, i'll i'll say i mean i feel like it's just you know she's sort of self-entitled and i one thing that i felt like was missing from the the movie that the book covers is like kind of her comeuppance you know like where they like do it's it's not really titled as an epilogue but it's basically an epilogue where it tells you where characters kind of are landing um you know post romantic resolution but anyway um it's got to be elizabeth right like she's witty like she's the kind of the, the core her loyalty to jane is really like admirable um you know to the point of like she like rejects a marriage proposal and i think you you know you could argue it's like the oh what you did to mr wickham but i think it's really like her perceptions of like her sister's happiness being ruined so that were like is probably the core of like why she's going like i don't want to marry you like you're responsible for ruining the happiness of somebody i love dearly um so uh, yeah there's just and there's like a uh, i don't know like a lot of qualities about her i think like her independence um just walking to the the wickham's or not the wickham's the the bingley's house you know um and it's kind of derided by um mr bingley's sister but like i don't know like she doesn't give a fuck she's like i I like being out of doors i'm gonna i'm gonna walk there i don't need a carriage i don't need a horse like it's awesome you can see like in that moment when caroline's like basically roasting her and is like did you see her hem mr darcy is just like obviously impressed <laughs> i'm trying to think back to the book versus the film because if it's the film i like jane's character um just because i like who they chose to be like i think the casting was great and i just like how her character is well established in the sense of um I'm trying to think about how I want to phrase it. I just, I feel like she was very true to the novel in sort of how reserved she was about not necessarily giving across how she felt about everything, but also being optimistic. And granted, optimistic to a fault at some points, maybe more so in the book and how she felt like things were or tried to look at the, you know, the brighter side of the, of the, situation um but i think overall i still if we're not going to choose like the obvious you know characters or the main characters if i have to choose somebody else i would choose jane to be one of the favorite ones um because she's there for elizabeth she's always sort of been like you know she's she's been supportive and she if when things change in terms of like relationships or when new information comes to their attention about Mr. Darcy or Mr. Wickham or how things are going to go, it, she's always the one who's like, okay, well, 
you know, I believe you and I will support you. And also I hope you were as happy as I am. <laughs> so we all really kind of want somebody like that in our lives, right? Even when they're wrong about stuff, you know, we still like, you know, the people that see the good in the situation. So I think for me, that would be Jane. Especially um, for her as like the eldest sister too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like leading with positivity. Exactly. And especially she's naive as fuck she's... though, man. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. Like I said, like, to a fault sometimes. But she so, can come you across know, somebody like... stabbing another human being to death and be like, oh my God, he fell into your like Chicago. Yeah. Like, he fell into your knife like 20 times. That's terrible. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. no. Like, what did he do to deserve this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he must have done something very, you know, very horrible to deserve getting stabbed multiple times by you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, it's true. And that's why I say that I, I, I temper that with the optimistic to a point, but still, um, I mean, I'd rather have that optimism than have to deal with like Lydia's little, you know, like, dude, when she got when she got hitched and then it was like, I'm just going to rub it in everybody's face. You're never going to be as happy as me. And I'm going to be living this, you know, this high lifestyle. And you should come hang out with me because I'll help hook you up with some dudes um, here in the north of England where we're going to be stationed. You know, I, I'm like, no. But clearly that was the intent, right? Like that was, we were all supposed to be frustrated with how she uh behaved and almost ruined the family's reputation or arguably did depending on which character you ask in the novel yeah. and um and yeah so just very much thinking of herself self-centered and then also just like very pompous at the end i think to some extent they show that in the film that it's not all going to be okay because doesn't mr wickham kind of like yank her down in the carriage when she's waving to everybody for like an extended scene while they're heading out like heading off and then it's like she gets pulled down by him kind of abruptly i feel like that's sort of conveyed like he's not really thrilled with this and it's not gonna be okay but i agree that in the book they do go a little bit more into detail about how it wasn't entirely happily ever after it wasn't horrible but it wasn't great so um so there is that but yeah i'd say that probably that covers what I was thinking in terms of that. I mean, Mr. Bennett, we will definitely come back to, but of the Bennett, of the Bennett uh, women, that would be my option. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I asked about the Bennett family in its entirety as well. So if you want to talk about Mr. Bennett, go for it. Guy just likes to hang out. and I mean, yeah, he just wants his alone time. He has his separate time for just himself. And, and I understand that. I would like to actually ask the question. Chris brought this up earlier, and I've wondered it when I was reading the book and especially watching the film. Like, I understand if they're well enough to employ a bunch of people to do all this daily labor on their estate. But what was the... What was either the retirement situation or the family inheritance situation or like the allotment? It was like everybody got like an allotment of money every year. But I don't know where that came from or why it was like yeah, only that much every that. year. Like Do they just have sweatshops in London, like with like little like street urchins that they're killing. Like, I mean, you know, like because that changes yeah. my perceptions of like how they're fucking doing business. Like they never talk about anybody actually working. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where's this money coming from? Yeah. All right. Like, I understand if they're if they have an inheritance, like if they had wealthy family members before and they inherited that wealth. But like, why is it doled out like X amount of money every year? Why isn't just like I'm rich and I have access to all of it? So why can't I use it? You know, so I'm just I'm, cu I'm curious. I'm sure there's a reason, but I'm just curious what that financial sort of setup was back then. So. 
Yeah, I think it's like you have the family riches accumulated and you basically set up each family member on their own kind of salary or whatever. Yeah. Um, also, uh, the there's two important differences here between the book and the movie with regards to the Bennett's like class. One is that the movie makes the, uh, the whole setting actually quite a bit earlier. It's in like the late 1700s, I think, instead of the early 1800s, like it is in the book. Um, and they're also definitely like try they're they're portrayed as lower class in the movie than they are in the book. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know where the 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 Bennett family fortune originally came from, or even like like the Bingley family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if there's that much money coming in, or like like maybe they have investments in London or something, and like it's just like they own businesses and somebody else runs them and like the, the income comes in. I don't know. It's just uh, that it was one point I was not clear on. Cause I'm like, everyone just seems to be going to balls and like chilling. Um, yep. And yet, going on I mean, walks. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where's the, where's the financial like uh program that I can invest in to figure out how to do that, please. Like, <laughs> listen, I'll throw you guys some balls. Like, we'll, we'll like, we'll hang out. I'll, I'll lend you the, uh, the secret once I figure it out. But yeah. <laughs> yeah i will do some research because now i'm curious where where the, the bennett fortune came from but um it seems like something would probably would have been understood by like the audiences at the time you know just no idea yeah and i think the the fine the um financial precarity was just that that inheritance would not pass on to the girls so basically marriage was their only option that um, i understood yeah. yeah mr collins coming and being like Oh, you could keep the uh, household in, you know, in the family if you just will, but marry the wettest blanket of wet blankets that ever existed. I love, I love uh, speaking of Mr. Bennett and how great he is. I love his line when he's like, well, either way, right now you're going to lose a parent. You'll lose your mother if you marry him and you lose our, and our, you lose your mother if you don't marry him and you lose me if you do. It's like, yeah, Mr. Bennett. <laughs> Yeah, he's like fuck this guy yeah that was... <laughs> basically <laughs> that was a great moment um yeah i don't know like lydia is annoying and <laughs> um <laughs> i i will say she's also very young young she's, yes um 15, 15 in the movie she's the same age as the book i can't remember but i think so yeah because um, there's like that line that's like she she's not yet 16 you know or something yeah. like that in defense of Lydia she's very young and she's seen the anguish her older sisters have gone through and I think that she in a backwards way probably thinks she's removing like herself as a burden from her family by doing this um even though her family ends up paying a lot of money to to force the marriage through um like i think there can be some good intent behind her decision and if anything i think like what happens with that relationship and how it kind of isn't great is not ideal um is if anything just kind of uh jane austen like warning young girls that like yeah as much pressure as you feel like don't do this don't be a Lydia. <laughs> that's my read on that character. As for my favorite Miss Bennett, 
Um, I got to say Elizabeth as well, especially movie Elizabeth. I feel like book Elizabeth also got a little annoying at times. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I'd agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, although I I have to give a shout out to poor Mary just just because she's she has a hard time the whole, whole way through. <laughs> she's trying her best on that piano. <laughs> I practiced yeah. all day. <laughs> She's a little more omnipresent in the film, but like there was one point in the book, I'm like, oh, fuck, there's another one, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking like, of the arrested development thing where it's like her? Her? Yeah. <laughs> so poor Mary. Don't forget Mary. So going uh I guess one degree of removal from the benefit from the Bennetts before we get to our uh suitors let's talk or our good suitors <laughs> let's talk about Mr. Collins and I don't... <laughs> I'm I, I'm glad that um Elizabeth dodges that um unbelievably vast and probably bottomless pit of despair in terms of like what that life would have looked like for her they kind of hint at it a little bit with her friend miss lucas um a little bit and how things end up but that's also seemed like a cautionary kind of thing of like there's a trade-off right like in marriage sometimes if you're gonna do it for the purposes of strengthening your position whether it be financial or societal or whatever um hated that guy though couldn't stand him i just he was a kiss ass he um I don't know. There's nothing, nothing likable at all about about that character. So I I enjoyed seeing them uh, really go to town on making sure that you knew he was a you know pitiful little shithead in the, the movie. Like uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. With uh, again re- looking at this through a modern lens, he just reads very like incel like to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you're. I, I understand you're obligated to say no, like the first time, and yeah. you might even say no again. But like, yeah. you don't want to say no, like that shit. It's so much more cringe in the fucking movie. But I like her response; yeah. it seems a little stronger to it. But yeah, there's that. There's like it just just him thinking he's the shit, and that like obviously people want to listen to him do a two hour sermon after dinner and. <laughs> that he's got such a way with women uh despite never ever listening to one besides maybe lady catherine he does get to make a funny intercourse joke though in the sermon that's about the only good thing that ever comes out of that character (laughs) (laughs) how do you feel about mr collins will i mean pretty much the same thoughts uh as you have both mentioned before like just generally don't well and it's you know intentional we're not supposed to like him i think that it's excellently portrayed in the book that he is a pain in the ass (laughs) and that he thinks he knows everything or he will want to try and tell you about everything um but i found it interesting because in the book i felt like he was a lot he seemed a lot more self-assured at least the way that i read it in the movie he seems a lot more timid and not necessarily a bad choice to go either route because I think the basic, like the the essence of the character is still kept, which is that he thinks he's he's got power or that he is in a good position. I should say not necessarily power, but he is in a good position for himself and to have the ability to be someone that would want to be 
you know, so like would be a good husband to whoever would be interested in that or in that marriage and that situation and his um, inheritance. Uh, but I think that overall, yeah, he's just nobody wants to listen to that guy in the book. They have to listen to him more than we had to in the film, which is the one upside. Um, but yeah, that one scene in particular, I think I'm glad that even though I guess kind of back to my point about how it was a really shitty situation for women in that time period. I'm glad that at least Elizabeth has the ability to tell him no and that no is accepted eventually. It's not accepted immediately, clearly, and that is the frustration of that scene in particular, which stands out to me more than most, where it's like he just thinks that, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll persuade you or you're just trying to, like, build up the excitement and the tension until, you know, you finally say yes to me. Um, but I am grateful that at least she had the ability to tell him no, and that the no is honored at some point, but no small feat though. Her mom is like, Oh yeah, no, she, Mr. Bennett, make her say yes. And like, you like, you like basically is like, you know, chasing her. Like she's obviously upset, like to try to convince her to, yeah, the thing that really did did me in like in the book was when they're having the family crisis and he sends that fucking letter that's like you need to like he's telling the family like not offering to help in any way just telling them what, what they need to do to avoid further shame and it's like send him a box of bees back you know or like throw some cow shit in a fucking package and send it to him like i was just like man you fucking asshole like yeah. thanks for thanks for the help there <laughs> mr collins appreciate you using all that power and influence you're always going on about to actually help the situation Oh, uh, but I wish they'd kept like the little letter that they that Mr. Bennett sends back to him, you know, in the book. Just that really short little like <laughs> smart ass response. I wish that had been in the film. That would have been great. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, anyway. And to our listeners, the smart ass response, you're just gonna have to read the book. I'm not gonna give every way uh, everything away on this podcast. So you gotta read all like four hundred and some pages. Come on. Or three hundred and some change, depending on which From Beyond the Grave, Jane Austen appreciates that. Get get another get another sub in, you know, even yep. from Beyond That's the right. Grave. Those That's metrics right. matter. I can't I can't tell everything. Can't tell everything. You gotta read it. <laughs> or the audiobook. Just listen to the audiobook. Do what these guys did. Come on. You know. Yeah, we we honor spoilers even two hundred years after the fact. <laughs> that's right when it's been out for 300 years maybe but <laughs> hey, it's a new generation every every so often that gets exposed to it so we can't give it all away <laughs> uh, well to uh to, to shake mr collins from our minds uh let's talk about bingley and his sister what were your thoughts on the bingleys well i like mr bingley i think that at least, and especially in the movie version where you get to see him act it out. I mean, he is, he's not, he's, he is sort of shown to be somebody who's not, not very confident in his decisions um, and doesn't, he's very ruled by his, I guess, his emotion in terms of the fact, like when he's excited to see Jane, he makes it very obvious, at least in our eyes, you know, and in the book, everybody's eyes too, but his, um, I don't I have no complaints about him. He just seemed to be having a good time. His sister, on the other hand, is the one who likes to try and like manipulate people. I, I think more so in the film with how she's portrayed as like being very manipulative. But like in the book is seems to be a little bit more subdued in terms of like that's conveyed more in how she writes to like the letters that she sends versus like her behavior 
as it's shown in the film when they're at these events. I could have remembered that incorrectly, but that was just the impression right. I got. Yeah. Make it much more clear much earlier that mm-hmm. she looks down upon the Bennett's and kind of like sneers at the idea that any Bennett would be joined to like anybody in their little circle, you know, whether it be Mr. Darcy or Mr. Bingley. Yeah. Um, with you, he's amiable. Like they did a good job in the film, making him seem kind of like a little bit of a himbo, you know, like in a good way, like he, <laughs> um, just very earnest and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, it's good that he has a Mr. Darcy at his side, even if he gets bad advice on occasion. Probably you'd imagine that that's probably some of the appeal of that friendship is that, you know, Mr. Darcy fills some some gaps, you know, maybe in terms of like where his um, blind sides might be. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree on um, Catherine Bingley is uh, revealed a little bit later in the book to be kind of duplicitous, but um didn't like her from like the first instant in the movie, but again, that's just them doing a good job, like kind of setting that character up for the manipulations later on. I tried to like come at it and be like, can I be a little sympathetic? Like she's in the same sort of position, right? As like all the women in this, of like she's trying to like angle for a marriage, right? And kind of um cement her position, but nah, I couldn't get there. I was like, I still think it's shitty to like, yeah, you guys are all in the same spot. Why can't it be like May the best like bachelorette like win kind of thing and just like rely on your own qualities right to 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 maybe do that instead of trying to like sabotage people it felt a little, little fucking you know dirty but so didn't care for her yeah I, I I think she is characterized fairly harshly in the um in the movie because like yeah you you want her to have solidarity with the other women but it's also like. She has the advantage of her upbringing in class in this kind of rat race. And she loses that if the men in her class start like, you know, seriously considering women that are beneath beneath her in class, basically. So she's has an advantage and she's basically clawing to keep it. And it's, it's competitive and shitty but i can understand why she would be like well i'll be in an even worse situation if this becomes the norm so i want to prevent that kind of thing so it's it's an understandable motivation i think for her but i also feel like this was the era where it was like very common to have like a kind of a a, a catty female antagonist in your movie so she <laughs> fits that bill well um as far as mr bingley goes i love him I think he's adorable. I the the scene it's so brief, but at the second dance that they're at, when he like throws a big ball and he's kind of like following Jane around like a puppy, and he just like kind of grasps at the back of her dress <laughs> like so longingly. It's just like oh, um, yeah. I think he's adorable, and I think he's also an interesting foil to Elizabeth because he is much less intelligent, but they do both kind of fall for the same like bad gossip throughout most of the movie and ironically in both cases it's 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 darcy (laughs) being like nope this is how things actually are and clearing things up that ends up persuading both of them to go after love (laughs) all right um do you guys i want to like uh keep time in mind um do you guys want to just go and talk about darcy now or do you want to also talk about uh mr wickham 
Let's talk about both. Darcy and Wickham are like, I think like Wickham will be pretty yeah, we pretty can brief. Yeah. yeah. Well, my only thing is uh, fuck Wickham. There we go. <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a single redeemable thing about that character whatsoever. And um, I think it's like a lesser extent kind of showing you like, again, some of those potential pitfalls. Like really like this seems like it could read as a manual of like, here's what could happen to you if you pick the wrong dude, you know? <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I missed the satisfaction a little bit of seeing Elizabeth fucking like pick at him a little bit. Like, in some of when she knows the truth about him yeah. and him panicking, I think you could maybe read between the lines a little bit and infer that part of what happens with Lydia is maybe him retaliating a, a, a little bit, you know, because she does have that dinner where she makes it very plain that um, she knows what happens to like or happened to Mr. Darcy's sister. And I think sort of the, the rep, like, that doesn't seem to be an accident to me that like, you know, that's what follows. But um, I don't know. Did you guys think that's just coincidence or is it, he's getting a little bit of revenge. I think he's just an opportunist. Yeah. And our, had already met the Bennett's. So it's like, well, the, there's a younger one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I, I agree. Yeah. I don't think they had much. He doesn't seem like he has much in the way of planning anything. Since he's just in debt to everybody. <laughs> so yeah, I think it was just the option was there. He thought, why not? I'll give it a shot. And he chose poorly again. So <laughs> All right. On to Darcy. What do we think of Mr. Darcy? <laughs> Potter in the movie. No. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> You know what? I'm going to give a shout out to Colin Firth. I'm sure he was good too in that miniseries. I'll have to watch it. Uh, it's on Hulu. So anybody who's listening to us and wants to know where to go, at least right now, probably Amazon or BBC, one of those options, just or all of them. And so, yeah, go check it out. But yeah, Mr. Darcy's, uh, I like the version better in the film. Again, more dialogue. I got to understand the character better. I felt like in the book, he's still interesting, but I don't think that is as interesting as we get to see in the film and i understand more watching the film why like it, it felt more believable to me not only as his character in the film for why he does what he does but i felt i believed the romance more between his character and elizabeth more in the film based on the subtlety and the expression and just the decisions that they made like how they fleshed out those characters with the overall plot made more sense to me seeing it acted out in the book it seemed a little kind of flip-floppish and confusing as to why suddenly it just felt like all of a sudden mr darcy's interested in elizabeth after they had he'd been making all these comments that didn't really seem like he was and she seemed to kind of flip-flop as to how she felt about him and i get that you know you can be confused about your feelings especially you know like we've all we were all that age and various circumstances about how we felt about the opposite sex you know at some point you know and i get that you know and i can remember what it was like in high school you know for comparison but i just i don't know it just seems so in the book, it seemed less coherent to me than watching it in the film. Um, and, and circling back to the question of Darcy himself, that was mostly where I felt like that came from. So, yeah, it is as as you said earlier, like seeing the glances and the facial expressions, and 
watching that interest kind of grow. And I think they do a better job of conveying him as shy, you know, in the the film, that that's why he's maybe perceived as being a bit standoffish. Like, I don't know that shyness would have been an excuse in the time to not engage with people socially, but obviously people probably still would have been shy, right? You just consider it rude if you don't easily make conversation out of thin air. So I thought they did a really good job with that. Yeah, and the the novel, I kept going like, when is there going to be like some sort of like hint at like the romance that I know is supposed to be part of this story? And when he like walks in and like slams the door and is like, well, I can't deny it anymore. Like, I love you. And I was just like, what? Like, yeah, like, huh? where did that come from? Yeah. Like, so forest. Uh, <laughs> I like the only reason that I I've even anticipated this is just because I'm so familiar from like a pop culture standpoint. But I'm like, what? Uh, and maybe that was supposed to be kind of the point is that like it comes out of thin air in the the book and could have been the sensibility of the times where they're like, oh, like he's been pining silently, you know, for Elizabeth all this time. But it just didn't hit the same for me. Um, I also felt like it would like the the ending sort of like resolution where like they come together and, the, you know, the, the proposal so much more amazing in the film. And I actually felt the romance where like it felt like they were checking off like you know like the list of like here's all the stuff to like explain like when did you first like start to have feel you know like it just was very stiff for me again just maybe it didn't age well whereas like that scene on the moors that you alluded to where like the sun comes between the two of them and all of that it's just beautifully shot and you can really you can feel it. Um, even the scene in the rain where he like kind of conf- so much more powerful in the movie, I think, than the book, because he's not just sort of like plainly like stating it. He's y- you can feel I mean, again, it's McFady and has those like puppy dog eyes like no other. Um, so like you can feel that pain a little bit and sort of like the desire to want to like, you know, have said this a long time ago. So um, love the character. Again, I can see why he's like, you know, loved from from the novel, but I think this is a great example of somebody that they really um did a, a great job um getting across more efficiently like who they are and making it feel a little less of a surprise in terms of like the revelation of the romance and all of that. Also, he's a nice guy, like deep down. That was really helpful. Like the grand gestures and shit. I was like, you know, like some dude or like did this for me and like i'm in elizabeth's like how, how's your heart not gonna melt right like your family's in potential like ruin and he fixes the the marriage uh prospects for for jane and patches that up and does all that stuff like clearly um a nice guy like deep down thumbs up opposite of wickham <laughs> <laughs> truly truly uh everyone else is in debt to him <laughs> yeah yep um yeah so like i said uh i was not sold on the book darcy i was like this guy's just a dick what, what does elizabeth <laughs> see in him <laughs> and then in the movie i'm like okay he's a dick but he has other things going for him and you find out, like, for me, the biggest thing that kind of, like, changed my mind on him was, like, the very late reveal that, oh, he's been, like, engaged to this random girl from from birth, apparently, and, like, has all of these crazy expectations on his head that kind of mirror Elizabeth's in an interesting way, and I think explains some of his erratic behavior and some of his 
pressure to feel like if he's going to get out of that arranged marriage, he has to find someone that's of higher status and, you know, to kind of rationalize that, I guess. Uh, so I, it also makes it more powerful that he's just like, nah, fuck that. I like Elizabeth and, and chooses her anyway, despite um, Dame Judy Dench's disapproval. <laughs> God, um, I, love, I love Judy Dench. <laughs> she's <laughs> quick, say, quick side note. Perfect. She was perfect. I, <laughs> absolutely like when i'm reading the book right i'm like if judy dench or um maggie smith does not play because everyone knows when you need like a, a strong forceful slightly scary like older woman like yes. it's the dame uh judy dench or the dame maggie smith and i, I was glad i wasn't disappointed because i was like one of these better be <laughs> Catherine deberg <laughs> exactly and as soon as i saw the cast list for that film i'm like i know who she's gonna be and i am all for it and i am waiting <laughs> i am so happy yeah Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And just imagine like her getting a call like, yep. Uh hi, uh Dame Judy Dench. Um, so as you know, we're we're uh, in the process of um, you know, spinning up production on pro- yeah, I'll play Catherine DeBerg. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh <laughs> I'm she already knows. there. Yeah. She has to know. <laughs> I know why you're calling, and yes. <laughs> oh my god. Uh. Um so yeah, mixed feelings of Darcy. I like how layered he is. I think it's also kind of a rare romance to like have the man be the pining one. So that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, no, I I I like movie Darcy. Um, also the um scene where he has just helped uh Elizabeth up into the carriage and he like clenches his hand and then unclenches it is the most iconic scene uh in all of movie history and you cannot change my mind oh yeah <laughs> what do you do you like that it's just like a like a subtle sort of like it's just something about it... that scene man <laughs> yeah okay okay just curious i mean I, I it is interesting that they like go in on his hand and not his like face it's kind of an interesting way of like conveying where his head's at and stuff it's just it's so masterfully subtle and says so much it's like i i never would have thought you could like communicate this much emotion just with like a single shot of a hand but you can <laughs> it's great i mean if tarantino can do it with feet why not you know <laughs> gonna no. say, some people like hands <laughs> yeah no judge no judge cool. <laughs> <laughs> i mean after all like hands are just like top feet right like <laughs> it's true hey look even zoolander know. had a thing about hand models so i mean it's important just it's fine <laughs> they're in catalogs they're necessary oh we could, we could, yeah. No, you guys are gonna label was... me as a as a hand person. Yeah. <laughs> so in this latest film that we watched, and the nice shot of the the close up of the hand of this one character, yeah, we'll we'll bring it back. Oh no. Oh yeah. Okay. Look what you've done. Look what you've done. Change, change subjects. Uh, yep. <laughs> what were your favorite scenes? <laughs> what was my favorite hand pick? Um, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Favorite scenes of the film overall, or from the book or the film? Yeah. Well, I'd have to steal from Chris on this one again. Probably not steal too much. But um, in the movie, I think that the important scenes between Darcy and Elizabeth, so whether it's in the rain or it's at the very end with the sun coming up, I think that was, yeah, I mean, that's kind of an easy answer for me, but also, you know, not to rehash too much on it. Um so in scenes that like weren't covered in the the film, like I can tell you the one that like really um 
got to me and it's uh, it's a credit to donald sutherland's acting was like the kind of discussion of do you want to go through with this marriage like i have how many objections if you know you've changed your mind and just like him sort of like happy crying ah that's good stuff like really 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 good stuff like that got to me big time um as far as the book one of the strongest emotions i felt was like just i mean i feel like rational justified anger at like the catherine de Berg confronting elizabeth and trying to make her to promise like i was like where the fuck does this bitch get off to like telling her like <laughs> what she can or can't do i, I was so mad like reading right. that like i mean like real i could feel like the physical reaction of my body i was so mad um i think just because like i had had enough of her at that point with all of her like oh i would have been a great player like if i you know had learned to play music myself like, yeah okay of course you would have or like oh if not for my daughter's house like everyone you know adjacent to her it can be excused from whatever but it like anybody outside like you know we're held to such high standards so i was just i was over it but so there's my picks right there easy nice amazing i'd say book wise for me and this is just going to be i don't know what this says about me i mean i i, I will say that the length of the book this is not to try and criticize it too badly but for for me going through and listening to all of the sort of back and forth and the drama that was happening. I think the point where Lydia disappeared with Mr. Wickham, I was like, oh, it's getting it's getting good now. So we're getting some serious, you know, shit might be going down. <laughs> and I know it sounds really bad, but I was like, well, this is exciting. You know, like it's not just like trying to find a husband now It's or, you know, deal with marriage proposals. It's like, oh, something really good or bad or something weird is about to happen. And I'm kind of like excited to see how this is going to turn out. Um. So for me, that sort of like, I felt like the plot picked up right around that point, which has kind of been like the last tail end of the novel anyway, Mm -hmm. Um, which that just, that's probably speaks more to my patience with reading a book than it it does anything else. But I enjoyed reading that just for like the, there was a little bit more tension. I felt like there was more of a like, oh, is she going to be okay? Did she really get kidnapped? Or did she like elope with this guy you know and not really yeah, i was like is this a ransom going. situation like what's going on here <laughs> yeah and so it kind of that... turns into that with the dowry like <laughs> mm, yeah mm. that's how i sort of interpreted it but so that would probably is the implication there that they like they like they were like having premarital sex and like like the marriage was the only way out of okay yeah yeah, yeah or that yeah, even if they weren't that's the that would be public assumption yeah, yeah that would be the, the impression yeah if you just <laughs> headed off together the two of you alone in london yeah definitely how about you may what were your your favorite moments uh it's probably a tie between yours will to, to steal from you i'm sorry because uh, okay. I, I i agree it turns into a kind of like an almost like a bit of an action like thriller kind yeah. of thing right Take there it. uh so yeah for for the for the book it's a tie between that and honestly just that opening because it is so strong and so good at establishing the characters um also i i pulled it up just so i could read it verbatim but i absolutely love the first sentence of this book it's iconic um because it does a great job of just communicating the whole book in a single sentence um it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Killer nice. way to start off a novel like this. 
Definitely. I like that you characterize the last bit as kind of an action thriller because now I just picture like Darcy, like, you know, getting some pistols and a saber. I mean, he's like talking to his buddy, uh, Mr. Bingley, and he's like, I'm not a gentleman, not tonight. (laughs) (laughs) To bring bring it back to Lethal Weapon. (laughs) Oh, man. Yo, if they could redo that trailer for the film like they did for Jaws, man, I'd be down. Make Pride and Prejudice the, yeah, action thriller. I mean, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is a movie. That's true, oh, but that's zombies. That's I, know, a, yeah. I know there's a book, but that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of curious to read that now that I'm familiar with the story. Like, because I'm like, this will be lost on me, right? When it came out, I'm like, it sounds interesting. But now having read the novel, I feel like I would appreciate it, which is yeah. kind of the intent, right? It's for like Austin uh, fans primarily. Uh, I don't know. I actually haven't seen it. So uh, maybe I'll add it to the rotation if it's not already there. There's also a novel called Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters as well, which I think is more Cthulhu-esque, like nice. uh, mixed in with Sense and Sensibility. So read that That's if you amazing. want to. All right. I have two final questions, and then I have a game for you guys. Sweet. Um, the first, and I think I know pretty much everyone's answers, uh, was the book better? I will say that I don't, th- I think it's a hard it's not as clear cut of an answer for me um, because I have to respect the like the writing style. I have to respect the time period in which it was written. And I have to respect the fact that when I read a book, I am the one creating the film in my brain. So what I create in my brain may not do it justice to the actual writing, um, especially when I'm waiting for the excitement to kick on around page like, th- you know, 300. <laughs> but um. I think the film I think the film was great. I think it was a a fantastic adaptation and I think it conveyed what needed to be conveyed and condensed what needed to be condensed for me to be able to find it accessible and also believable. So for me, just personal opinion, I thought the film was better. I'm sorry, Jane Austen. <laughs> Rolls over once in grave. <laughs> <laughs> but you had the idea and that's what counts. <laughs> So kudos. <laughs> uh, Chris. I find this so hard of a question to answer, which I suppose makes it a good choice for the category. Um, I didn't have even my mind like made up when um like coming to the podcast. Uh I I'm gonna say the film edges out the novel slightly for me. And it's not to say it's a bad book or you shouldn't read it. I think it's it is the the warm body theory that we'll go back to um, that May said like at the beginning of the podcast. I think that makes it in like a lot of that. I think is the credit of the filmmakers and the actors and actresses because some of the information is fairly scant sometimes on how characters are feeling, and I think it is quite the task to take that from the page and make it come alive like on on the screen so that's why i'm gonna go with the film as well i will have to vote the same way um i think that the novel is amazing and it's it's two things it's one just a combination of the time difference between the novel and the film and the way the film does make like the story much more appealing for modern audiences and much more understandable for modern audiences and just with the fact that it's a much tighter story. Like I love the layers of the of the novel, but um 
if you want just a very tight cohesive romance with an interesting supporting cast like the the movie is the way to go um and the cinematography is just beautiful yeah costuming too like yeah yeah really great uh, I can't think of a single thing that's really missing from the book, aside from the couple little nitpicky stuff of like, yeah, I would have seen like to seen a little more Mr. Wickham having to eat some humble pie and whatever. But yeah, I would agree. I think it's just great. And my last last question is, uh, would you give your blessing to Darcy Elizabeth if you were Mr. Bennett? Oh, yeah. Which which version? <laughs> the book or the film? <laughs> Either. <laughs> Actually, I like. Uh, I would have. I like how it's presented in both in the book and the film. For I mean, his answer is this will answer my or give my answer to your question, which is that I would. It would be the caveat of Are you really happy? Mm-hmm. If she's happy with him and it's what she wants, then yeah, absolutely. But as long as she knows what she's getting into and she understands her feelings, and it's not just for money which I think was conveyed excellently in the book. And as Chris mentioned too, with Donald, Donald Sutherland's performance in the film, you know, very heartfelt, which is also saying something. Cause I think Donald Sutherland is one creepy dude. So like for him to actually be like relatable and likable in this film was also very impressive. Right. <laughs> Cause that guy plays smarmy real, real, real good. So anyway, but yeah, I would, I'd give my blessing ultimately she's making the choice so yeah i don't know i i would mostly give my blessing i'd have a lot of i've i would have a lot more questions and i'd also be like you sure you sure you don't want someone who's just nice you know (laughs) 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 someone who's not gonna have any other friends (laughs) (laughs) someone who's not gonna just nag you like (laughs) i mean it seems like she kind of likes it just don't do it to her sister you know what i mean like maybe that's that's their their kink their power dynamic who knows who knows (laughs) Um. (laughs) all right any final thoughts before our game for those who enjoy pride and prejudice the novel uh there are several spinoff books that have happened since then uh that have been written by other uh authors over the years that take place in that universe so until we ever have film adaptations of any of those and we get the 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 expanded universe of pride and prejudice you can always check those out there was a little snippet i mentioned this because there's a little snippet at the end of the of the e-reader version that i got that was based on i think it was like a story about charlotte and what her life was like uh being married to mr collins after the fact and taking place in that universe a few years after i think they've been married so um so yeah is it a horror novel like like i know (laughs) oh my god he mysteriously dies and she becomes a wealthy widow (laughs) yeah so but could be fun i think my mom's actually a shout out to my mom again you know uh that she's read a few of those and has mentioned that they were interesting so figured i'd plug that here before we come to a close but yeah all right well uh the game is pride and prejudice themed i will read you a quote and i need you to tell me if it was something darcy said in the movie or book or if i just made it up for fun Mm -hmm. noise okay reading comprehension test i like it now (laughs) (laughs) it's a game (laughs) (laughs) all right 
First one should be pretty easy. You guys ready? Yep. <clears throat> My affections and wishes are unchanged, but one word from you will silence me on this subject forever. <laughs> Darcy. Yes. Correct. All right. They get harder as I go. <clears throat> Number two. I have faults enough, but they are not, I hope, of understanding. My temper I dare not vouch for. Darcy. Okay. It sounds close, but I feel like it wasn't. I'm going to say no. That actually was Darcy. Oh. Oh, well. <laughs> it's okay. All right. Uh, Chris has two points. Will has one. Prompt number three. <clears throat> Hardly, Miss Bennet. I should rather walk to Pemberley amidst a deluge of Mrs. Bennet's unceasing affections. No. <laughs> hmm? I say no. No. Okay. Can you just say it one more time? Hardly, Miss Bennet. I should rather walk to Pemberley amidst a deluge of Mrs. Bennet's unceasing affections. False. Correct. I wrote that. <laughs> All right. Uh, three to two, currently. Number four. My mind, once made, cannot be overturned. Certainly not by such weak arguments as these. False. Okay. Well. Feels close to me, but yeah. Mm. You know what? I'm just going to say true. <laughs> I also made that one up, but it is very close to close. something he actually says. Yeah. Um, about judging somebody's character, right? Like when somebody's yeah. fallen out of his graces or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Nice. All right. I think that's four to two now. Yarp. All right. One more. I am in no humor at present to give consequence to young ladies who are slighted by other men. I want to say true. But again, it's so close that it could be a variation on something else. But I'm just going to say true. I will say I didn't go into any of these and just like change a single word. Like if it was no. something I wrote, it is a like <laughs> fully, fully. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> well, credit to you because it's definitely it's good stuff. So yeah, <laughs> I'm still gonna say true. true? Okay. I'm gonna say true as well. It sounds like a like a Wickham uh, section. This, or... Yeah, this is uh, Darcy at the I think at the first no, no, party. No, no. No, but I'm saying like I, I think it's like oh I I would speculate that's him talking to her when she's been maybe jilted or something not jilted but anyway yeah uh but no that was Darcy so true no yep. awesome all right so I think that was five three Chris Chris blending there so good bum, job ba -da -ba. good job buddy <laughs> thank you you uh, know exactly what Mr Darcy sounds like. <laughs> I mean, I almost said yes to a couple of the, the fake ones. So you did a nice job with that. I Thank just you. was trying to like picture like when this would have happened. And it doesn't help that some of the dialogues tweak from the movie to the novel as well. So it's like, yeah. Well, hey, let's draw our next main quest and we will skedaddle. Get out of here. Also, may I want to give you a big thank you for uh, selecting this as was the book better. Because it's a nice, it's nice to have a little bit of more expanded knowledge of the classics and great choice, just generally. Like the two options were really good to review. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, excellent choice. Anytime you're like having to struggle, that's that's a it's a good sign. <laughs> Our next card 
is going to be a versus mode. Been a while Ooh. since we had one of these. Yeah. So we will, this will be a two parter. And this is a May pick. We will be watching Ex Machina and comparing it, contrasting it, and declaring a winner versus Gone Girl. So Ooh. Ex Machina and Gone Girl. This I is am... my good for her head to head. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited because I, I, A, never seen Gone Girl. Um, and managed to not have it spoiled either. I know there's like kind of a twist ending, and I have not seen Ex Machina since the first time I saw it. And I remember being a little lukewarm on it because of hype and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So kind of knowing the film like I do now, um, I, I'm very curious to see how I'll, I'll come away from it the second time. Sometimes movies take like more than one viewing to click. So very pretty film, um, but I'm very excited. I'm a little worried to rewatch Ex Machina. So I've seen both of these films before, but I, I also haven't seen Ex Machina since like it came out. And I like watched a clip from it recently. And it's, I'm like, it's so weird to see Oscar Isaac in this role when I've seen him in like all this Star Wars stuff now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I, he, he's he's a versatile dude. Like I, I forgot he was in Drive. Like, mm. you know, he plays like the characters, like the recently out of prison like guy that comes back and um uh talk about a, an awesome dance scene like more on that later but uh for ex machina <laughs> it's one of my favorite uh out of place ones but cool so um which one shall we watch first i will give you the option since we are gonna make this a two-parter um do you have preference i think ex machina <laughs> okay yeah. lock it in ex machina will be our next episode and then of course we'll follow that up with Gone Girl, and we will make a final declaration on that second episode on who we think the winner is. Uh, until next time, please like, share, and subscribe. You can find a link in the episode description to nominate your own film, and you can choose a category, of course, in which to do that, and even indicate if you would like to be a host on ScreenQuest. We'd love to have you and would love to add more uh, cards to our pile. You can find us on social media at ScreenQuestPod on Twitter. Until next week, we love you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, Bye. guys. <laughs>